Welcome to another episode of the Revisited Podcast. I'm Ben. And I'm Kristen. This week on Lost, we are covering Season 5, Episode 11. Nope. Yeah. Nope, you're right. I was wrong. Sorry. Ah! We're covering Season 5, Episode 11, What Happened, Happened. And I was right, and Ben was wrong. I was wrong. So it's recorded now. Yes, it is. Unless I decide we're starting over, which I won't. I won't. I was wrong. You were right. That's nice. Should, should be another sound clip. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> this is... So I, I was looking at the reviews on IMDb. I mean, mm-hmm. and there are definitely higher rated episodes from this season. I mean, we, you know, we look at like the incident, which is in the nines. We had... um. What else? A lot of them are high eights, like 8.9 was LaFleur, which was another one of our favorite episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, this one was only at an 8.2. It's one of the lower rated ones. I Why? completely disagree. This should be higher. I totally agree. Yeah, this this episode should be higher than it is. There is now granted, I don't think there's a lot of deep things that happen but mm-hmm. this episode in my opinion is full of a ton of great interactions yes and a lot of question payoffs 
Um, I think so. And you know, it's funny that you say that because <laughs> one of my first notes of the episode was um, Hurley and Miles's conversation about time travel. It's so sounds great. exactly like our past couple yes. of podcasts. Yes, it does. It it's it's <laughs> almost like they knew. I mean, we'll we'll dive into it more, but it's it's almost right. like it's one of my favorite things that this show does is they use Hurley to kind of be the go between between the yes. show and the audience. Yes. And this episode does it brilliantly. Yes, 100%. Yes. <laughs> it's that conversation is one of my favorite parts of of this episode. And I missed Miles, so it was nice that he got a big chunk of the episode and he got to be like his comedic self and we got a nice little dose of Hurley as well. Like I I miss our other characters. Yeah. Well, because I mean, in addition to that, we haven't we got another character we haven't seen for a couple episodes, and that's John Locke. I forgot about him because we haven't seen him. Right? They haven't we haven't seen him? We haven't seen Son, and we still haven't seen Son in a couple of episodes. Um, yeah. You know, or or Lapidus, John Locke, and and Adult Ben. This is the first time we've seen them in a couple weeks, but I think next episode is when we're going to be getting more of the present day island. So I think we're going to be taking a little bit of a break. No, no, no. We still get past. We still get past Losties next week, but we get more of present day as well. Well, yeah. And you know what, what's funny to me, and I know that we need to actually jump into the episode. Okay. First of all, we are a spoiler-filled podcast, so you. if you're just now finding us, um, back up a little bit and listen from the beginning, or <laughs> found us, um, we're a spoiler-filled podcast, and welcome. Yes. Um, yep. just, just be aware of it. Yeah. So I think that the I can kind of see other people's point of view when they say that like the show got too complicated, because... I, the way that we've been watching the last two episodes, you don't need any of the other elements, really. The show is great on its own with what it's doing right now. When we went back to where Ben and Locke are, I was just like, oh, yeah, there's that part, too. Like, I didn't feel like I was missing it. Well, because what we've been getting so far from the Losties has been intriguing in its own right. Mm -hmm. It hasn't been... It hasn't felt filler. No, not at all. And it because hasn't felt like it's a setup episode either. We're in the story. Yeah, exactly. You know, when you get those episodes that feel like they're filler, they very are they are very apparently filler feeling. And I feel like this is becoming a tongue twister. Um, but yet like filler feeling, we, filler feeling, filler <laughs> feeling. <laughs> it's you know, it's one of those situations where, like, it becomes so redundant and useless that you're like, all right, let's just continue on with the story already. But you're right. right. We we haven't seen them, but we haven't missed them. Only because what we've been getting has mm -hmm. kept us entertained, has kept us intrigued, and has kept our attention. Yeah, I completely agree. I completely agree. And, you know, it's fun to see all these characters back together again. It's fun to watch kind of the um, the 
power reconfiguration, you know, the power hierarchy. Mm -hmm. Um, It's nice to see Jack is still a dick. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. I feel like it calls for it. Jack just sucks. Thanks, Steve. (laughs) Thank you, Steve. I said last week I was going to clip that and make it a sound clip. Well, we we also just need it, you know, because we talk about it a lot. Well, this episode in particular, and I want to say, so I, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I don't mean to jump on your points, but no, no, th- please do. This is something I said to you before we started recording. And I want to bring this up is like how great it is. Anytime we're revisiting these episodes and then suddenly we have this huge theory that we've never had before. Right. And I had one of them in this episode. That's and exciting. I, I can't wait to get to that point and talk about it because it might be something you've thought of too. It might be something you've already kind of realized, but it was something that when it happened and it was more on the second viewing that I was like, wait a minute, this means this, which means this. And I'm like, Ooh, I, I got to make a note of it. Cause I cannot wait to talk about it. You're good. I'm glad that you did. <laughs> I'm so glad that you did. Good. I love new theories. I love getting into it. So let's get into it. And why don't you take us away with your first point? Um, all right. So as I mentioned, you know, this episode as is, it doesn't go too deep. But what it does do great is it gives us payoffs to everything, that to not everything, but to a lot of things, um, mainly in the form of Hurley and Miles' conversation. But we get a couple other things as well. Um, and it's just filled with a ton of great interactions between characters. Um, And I want to start with one of the, um, that's how I'm going to start. I'm going to start with one of those interactions and it's Kate and Roger. Um, Roger Workman, Roger Workman, AKA Roger Linus. And one of the things I've realized is that these guys are great. Probably because it's happened so many times now that when they're slapped in the face with a realization, like, Holy shit, this is Ben's dad. I'm meeting mm-hmm. Ben's father right now. They are great at keeping straight faces. Yeah. And not <laughs> yeah. because when he announces himself as Roger, Roger Linus, Kate, like you can tell she's thrown a little bit, like the realization is there as to who this man is. Right. But she still plays right along and mm-hmm. says what is becoming a very familiar phrase in the show. It's nice to meet you because <laughs> right. it's happening so much. Like even when Kate and Juliet met, it's nice to meet you came out. They already know each other. Right. Well, so I, I love, I love that, you know, that they're able to keep up with that. But at the same time, they've been lying for three years. Well, all of them. Yeah. All well, of that's them. what I mean. It's happened so much that it's just become a natural reaction to them now. Right. Like but, they, they're quick yeah. thinkers now. No, Sawyer was the only quick thinker for a while, but now they've all come up to Sawyer's level, I think. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, you, you made a good point too. Like they've been doing it for so long for three years, you know, Sawyer, Juliet, Miles, and Daniel have had to, tell a constant lie in order to fit in order to fit in with this new situation that they're in. Whereas the other people, the oceanic six had to lie to keep a cover story, right? They've they're both in two totally different situations, but they've both been forced to lie since it started. Mm -hmm. So it's very similar, but also very different in the sense of they both are forced to do the same thing, but they're both doing it in different ways. 
Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's something you're right. It's it's just become a natural reaction to them at this point that they just have to lie to survive. It's kind of like, you know, um, I don't know if you've ever done improv before, but it, the answer is always yes. Yes. And yep. yeah, yes. And, yep. and I feel like they are all improv stars at this it's, point. It's whose Island is it anyway? Right. At this point. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Um, but you know, but yeah, but going back to like Kate and Roger, like I love that interaction. There's two really big interactions between the two of them in this episode. There's pre Ben coming in wounded and then post Ben coming in wounded. And I I love the first one with the wench. Um, not, not a, not a drink woman from, you know, early times, an actual wench on a Jeep, uh, you know, where winch winch, sorry. Well, yeah, I guess the, I guess there is a di- well. Yes, I am from PA, so we we speak differently. <laughs> we talk sure. good. We talk. We <laughs> we speak good. Uh, but we, you know, we get that where Roger is asking Kate to operate the winch, and she doesn't really know how. Which it was such an interesting thing to see. Like it's it's not. It's not an abnormal thing to be thrown into a position you know nothing about just to make yourself part of the workforce at that island. Mm-hmm. He was not surprised in one bit to really find out she has no idea. She's working in the motor pool, but has no idea how to operate a winch. Yeah, and and Roger makes a really good point. He goes, I guess it would be really difficult to sell you know, a custodian or a janitor on getting on this submarine and being drugged and waking up on this remote island. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, e- exactly. No wonder Roger drinks so much. Well, but it makes you wonder too. And I don't know if it's anything that's ever been revealed, but what did Roger do before coming to the island that attracted him that maybe wanted them to get him to the island and then he became a workman? We have. We've either had that episode or we haven't had that episode yet because we've seen we've seen Roger and Ben's introduction to the island when they first arrive. And we've also seen Roger off the island before he's recruited. Right. I mean, he helped he helped his wife give birth, what, like in a field or something. Yeah, I think it was in a car. I think they were in a car pulled over like in with farmland or, or something. Okay. Yeah, because I remember um, they were outside. Yeah. Yeah, because his mo- I think his mother dies giving birth. Right. To Ben. Which he blames Ben for. Mm-hmm. Plus, they're on this miserable situation on the island with, I think it's like one of those things where you can't go back. Well, I mean, you look at these two, like this, these are situations that are totally out of Ben's control. Like he had no control over his mother dying while giving birth to him. He has no control over them being in that island on that island and that shitty situation that Roger is in. Roger chose that for himself. Mm. He put himself in that situation and he drugged Ben along for the ride, which I think is very interesting in the sick. The second interaction that we get with Kate and Roger is, you know, Roger asks Kate, like it's when he, like he's very distraught over Ben being in the situation that he's in. Kate went in to give blood. Roger wants to be there, and Kate comforts him by saying he can stay with me. And we kind of get this conversation between the two of them that's kind of parent versus parent, even though Kate is not a parent. And she says to, she tells Roger she has no kids, but she has 
kind of been apparent for three years. She gets the distraught over everything that Roger is going through. Right. With Ben. And you I know? think that that's, I think that that's really important to remember is mm-hmm. that Kate has recently lost her child. It's, I mean, it's by her own doing. Right. But yes, I have, I have a right. whole thing to say about this when we, when we get, when, when we get to that point oh, later, I, yeah, but I, I have notes on that too. Yeah. But her intuition with Roger and her intuition with Ben would never have happened three years ago No, on the island. And I, I think that it's agree. important to remember that. Yeah, I completely agree. I completely yeah. agree with that. Uh, I mean, and, and in that sense, too, you know, we are getting we're starting to see very different versions of characters in this episode. Um, Kate being one of them and Jack being another. But we'll get to that. We will totally get to to jack and the oh, jack, jack we get in this episode play it again <laughs> just jack just sucks all right <laughs> i know we've gotten criticisms for being a little too down on jack but I, like this episode i'm coming to our defense on our thoughts about jack because <laughs> he really to our defense i'm coming to our own defense and on on jack because we'll get into it I'm not a fan of Jack in this episode. And it goes I'm right along with... I'm not a fan with, of Jack ever. It goes right along with my theory that I have, too, that I... I I'm really excited. To get to. Um, but yeah, like, I love this interaction between Kate and, and Roger, both of these interactions. Um, it's probably one of my favorite interactions out of all the ones that we've gotten. So that's why I wanted to start with that one. So I... So while you were talking about that, I was also looking up why uh, Roger Workman was on the island. Okay. And it's the couple that helped. Um, so they were on a hike. Roger and his wife were on a hike. And okay. And that's when she gave birth. It was the episode Man Behind the Curtain. And um, there was a couple there that helped him and told him about the island after his wife died. And that's how he got connected with the island. Okay. So I don't remember this. I don't remember what season Man Behind the Curtain was from. Um, um Yeah, I'm 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 not familiar. Season three, episode twenty. Okay. So we've we've seen it, we've covered it. Maybe we'll go back and listen. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, again, this was before we had like our our two year, our year yeah. and a half long break. So you know, some of this might be a little bit rusty, rusty for us too. But yeah, this is an episode where um, they dive into Ben's background on the island, and it's when we get to see Roger and Ben arrive on the island. Yep. And and you know, and Horace make the introduction to them and and bring them in. So yeah, perfect. Um. So also, while you were talking, because you said there was a lot of great interactions, I started writing down other great interactions from this episode and taking notes of those. And with the exception of Miles and Hurley, um, they're all Kate and someone else. So this being such a Kate-centric episode, let's talk about her for a minute, because she has so much change in her that um, it's kind of hard to ignore. I... I agree with you completely. There is there is one interaction that that is not Kate, but we can talk about that later. And that's basically Juliet and Jack. That was um, such an electric scene, right? But yeah, you're right. I think looking at everything I have, I mean, as far as the interactions, you're right. Kate's in Kate's name is in all of them. 
Um, and and with, with the exception quite of deservedly so. Well, one of the points that I, one of the other realizations I think I came to in this episode, and then I'll, I'll let you dive into it if you want, is that sure. you know we've seen we see Sawyer or not Sawyer, Saeed, Jack, Kate, and Hurley have returned to the island. Of the four of them, with the exception of Hurley, I I honestly think from this episode, one of the things I've realized is that Kate's reason for returning to the island is the most selfless reason out of everybody. 100%. Out of everyone, I I am fully behind the fact that Kate's reason is the most selfless. Yeah. And I would probably, with the exception of Jack, um, say that Sons is more selfish. Because she left behind her daughter. And she doesn't know what she's coming back to, honestly. True. And Ben, yes, Ben manipulated Son because Jin didn't want Son coming back for her, for him. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I don't know that I could get on a plane willingly and leave my daughter on the hope that the plane crash I'm agreeing to is going to bring me back to my presumed dead but might be alive because somebody gave me his wedding ring husband. Yeah. I mean, at least with Kate, she she's pretty convinced that Claire is still alive. Mm-hmm. Um, she's pretty sure of it. You're absolutely right. Son has no idea. And even if she wasn't, e- even if Claire isn't alive, Kate is giving Aaron his family, mm-hmm. his blood family, the only family that he really has left. Well, she's doing this, and I won't even say, I mean, we've said in the past that she's returning the island to get to Claire, which is absolutely, it's still correct. But yes. she's not doing this for Claire. She's doing all of this for Aaron. Right. hundred percent. But you're absolutely, but again, you're right in your point too, in that even if she doesn't, even if she goes back to the Island and she doesn't find Claire, Aaron still now has his family. Yeah. And I mean, that's not to say that Kate is not Aaron's family because Kate is Aaron's mother. As far as Aaron is concerned, Mm -hmm. she's done a fantastic job. She's put herself completely to the side. She's devoted herself to this boy who has changed her life for the better. And you see how much better Aaron has changed Kate um, for has changed Kate positively in the fact that she makes this impossible decision to leave him behind. Impossible. I'm, I say that as a mom, right? You just you you I I can't imagine leaving my child behind. And for all intents and purposes, Kate is um, Aaron's mother, right? Right now, three years with this boy. And she's going back to find Claire, who, who is his mother, but she could, but Kate could have, Kate could have justified it in her head where as in, in the fact that, okay, well, Claire, Claire disappeared. Where did she go? She left her son behind. Like, Mm -hmm. There was a helicopter. There was a chance to get this small baby off the island, and his mom is nowhere. So she could have. I mean, it's an impossible situation. Is is my point? 
And that's just the thing, too. Like, before this, Kate was actually, I think, one of the most selfish characters that we've seen so far. Everything, most of the stuff she had done was for herself. It wasn't for anybody else. This is the first major decision she's making that is for somebody other than herself. And Mm -hmm. to add more credence to the decision and more... um, you know, more reasoning behind the decision. Not only is she making this decision to leave Aaron behind to get to Claire or to try and bring Claire home. She's doing this after just realizing, thanks to Cassidy's help, that she did all she did everything she did because she needed Aaron just as much as Aaron needed her. She was she had been telling herself this whole time that Aaron needed her. And Cassidy is the one that helps her to realize, well, maybe it's because you needed him. She comes to this realization, and now she's making this decision even after realizing this. And this is my one problem with the entire episode is Cassidy is Cassidy. I love Cassidy and Kate's friendship. I think that Kate needed Cassidy um, as a sounding board, as somebody who she could just go to and speak the truth to, one con Mm -hmm. woman to another. I think that I love that they have that kindred spirit. I love the fact that they have that Sawyer connection. However, I think that Cassidy projects a lot of her feelings on about Sawyer onto Kate. I don't think that it's, but I don't think it was fair to paint Sawyer in this negative picture that, that kind of takes away from all the growth we saw in Sawyer on the, on the first hundred days on the Island. Like he jumped off that helicopter, not because he was running away from his life. It was because he saw that Hurley was shattered at the fact that it it, it was that back porch, that back deck all over again with the helicopter, mm-hmm. you know? And he made sure that his friends got to safety. He made sure that the one he was closest to knew about Clementine. And then he jumped off. This is the guy that wanted to leave so bad that he built a raft and just pointed north, you know? I... I- I agree with you in a sense. Us as viewers, we know Sawyer's intentions were good when he jumped off the helicopter. We we know that from having seen everything and having seen that growth. But I, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing that we saw Cl- uh, Cassidy's opinions of Sawyer in this light. Because when you see the the back and forth between Kate and Cassidy and then we see Sawyer helping Ben to survive and siding with Juliet and helping Kate. I think it really just makes the dynamic. I I think the reason why they did it was to just paint the dynamic so much clearer in how much of a different person Sawyer is now, you know, to hear all these things that Cassidy is saying about Sawyer and then to see Sawyer at the same time in the same episode and realize these are two completely different people. I think it really helps to enhance the fact that Sawyer is a much different, much better person than he is, than he was yes. rather. No. And, and, and I'm not taking away from that. Cause I think that you're correct on that, but watching Kate struggle with that, I'm talking about Kate mostly. Okay. Okay. Kate, not knew, viewers, but Kate, right. I'm talking okay. about Kate. The fact that she was able to be manipulated in that way and not come back and defend Sawyer because she saw that growth in Sawyer and Cassidy's still butthurt about the father of her child. I get that. I understand that. But Kate should have been able to say, no, you don't know the new Sawyer. You don't know that man. He he was different. I saw the change, 
right? And then even, and, and he's changed even more when she gets back on the island. You know, he's like, I'm doing this for Juliet. I'm not doing this for you. I'm not doing this for Ben. I'm not, I'm doing this for Juliet. Cause Juliet told me that you don't let a kid die. Mm-hmm. And I agree with that. Right. So I agree with that we've completely. Seen, yeah. Right. Oh, yes. Cause Jack's the worst. Um, <laughs> but the thing is, is that it, it, it's interesting to me that while we're flashing back to Cassidy and Kate's conversations about Sawyer in the same vein, we're, go, we're flashing back even more back. I don't know. We're, we're flashing again to, um, to Sawyer and we're watching his growth. We're watching to see how far he's come along and just what a wrong idea that Cassidy has about Sawyer. And the fact that Kate doesn't think to make this defense to Cassidy about the father of her child, you know, it's just, it's a manipulative technique. I don't really like it. Um, I just think it's the one part of the episode that I really hated. I I, I was watching it this morning and I was talking to the television as it was <laughs> happening. Well, I was like, I mean, that's, not, that's an unfair assessment, Cassidy. You're a bitch. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I think what Cassidy is saying to Kate about everything and like how, how, how like, oh, I bet you that money's not even his. And Kate admits, you know, it's settlement from the from the crash and everything is. Well, yeah, because how is he going to get? You want him to send you coconuts? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, but uh, again, like it's 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 one of those things and this is kind of just playing devil's advocate. I I completely agree with everything that you're saying, but at the same time trying to play devil's advocate a little That's bit. Fine. I'm I'm thinking maybe the reason behind that was because they wanted to give Kate a little bit of doubt as to whether or not what she thought about Sawyer was actually true. It's making her kind of think about things from a different perspective so that when she does make that decision about Aaron, it is now purely about Aaron. There's not even a little bit of hesitation that maybe she's doing this a little bit for Sawyer because she obviously she had feelings for Sawyer. Otherwise there wouldn't have been that connection. So Mm. when you, when Cassidy puts this doubt into her, that removes the fact that, Maybe a part of her going back was for Sawyer, too. Now that's gone. Now this is 100% about Aaron, which is how it should be. Yeah, and maybe, you know, maybe there's a small unspoken part in the episode that, you know, Kate is ha- is maybe even a little bit going back to see if she can get Sawyer to come back for Clementine. But I don't think any of it... I, I think that your point is correct in that Kate is not going back to the island for anything that's related to her, to Kate. Nope. Yeah. And I, that's really important. And even, even watching her on the island, nothing is about her. She's trying to help Ben by giving blood. She's trying to calm Roger down by, by just having him stay with her while she gives blood. Even, I mean, one of my favorite things about the episode was Kate and Sawyer carrying um, Ben, young Ben, through the jungle. And it struck me that both of them are doing this because they have their lost children back on the mainland mm-hmm. in a different time. And it's such a different it's such a di- different intention than it was in their first hundred days on the island. They've both become completely different people, but because of their connection from three years ago, they're still able to work really nicely together. And um, I really enjoyed that. 
Well, it makes me wonder, too, and this is going into a little bit of spoiler territory as well. Like, it made me very curious as to what happened after the series finale of this show. Like, we Sawyer is a survivor. Like, that's a little bit that obviously that's a spoiler of everything. Sawyer makes it off the island in the end. Would he have gone back to Cassidy and Clementine, you know, to at least meet his daughter? You know, that's something I would have liked to have known. And I would like to believe that this big Sawyer that we're getting now, the change in everything, especially after seeing the way he reacted when Kate mentioned Clementine to him as they were carrying Ben. Like he smiled. See, he's smiling. He's listening. He's in, he's very curious because mm-hmm. there's a part of him, I think is kind of excited about the fact that he has a child now. This is a part of him we would have never seen three years ago. He could have cared less. Well, at, he's at he point. left behind something good. Yes. You know, and I, he, I think we're seeing what that actually fulfills him now. Yep. To know that there is good in his life. Mm-hmm. But it, again, it makes me very curious, like, hey, would Sawyer have gone and actually met his daughter after he got home? With Juliet? Well, no. <laughs> I mean, if she was there, maybe. Yeah, I'm sure they would have. Him if not had, a, if not had a child of their own, at that oh, point. Now you're making it sadder. Okay, I know you brought her name into it. Well, I was keeping her out of it. Well, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but. Really, other than that, that's really all I have for Kate. Oh, no, there's one more thing. Um, I really love the fact that, you know, in in original Island Kate, it seemed like she was always working against Juliet or working against um, and just other people in general, you know? And in this episode, we really see collaborative Kate, especially like the sisterhood is like really strong in this episode. You've got um, Juliet and Kate that are working together. And Kate's like, listen, you're not coming with me. Sawyer, you know, if Sawyer finds out, he'll kill me. Plus, you know, you have a whole life here, just go. And then you see, you know, her off island and she's, you know, working with Cassidy and she's got this really close girlfriend. And then she goes to, um, uh, is it Carol? Yeah. Carol Littleton. And she, I mean, that is a conversation she probably never wanted to have, you know, I don't think she ever planned to have it. No. And, and it was hard and it, it would be impossible to have that conversation that you have to convince this grandmother that the reason why you took her daughter's child was for a good reason. But she was grown up enough to face it, and she was grown up enough to fix it. Well, not only that, but Kate's decision to tell Claire's mom that, like, this is your grandson. I've told him you're you're his grandmother. He's ready for you when you're ready. Uh, You know, I'm going back to the island to find your daughter, you know, to bring Claire home. Like, the decision that she made to leave Aaron behind was heartbreaking in its own right. Mm. But when you think about it, the heartbreak of that decision is not even over yet because making that decision, she still then has to face reuniting Claire with Aaron and then walking away from that again. Right. So this, this heartbreak that she has of making this decision is not even done yet. Mm-hmm. 
you know, that's what make that's what adds even more credence to the decision that she's making. Right. Because she's going to have to walk away from Aaron again. Yep. And which is I, so hard. It is. It's incredibly hard, which but I think adds even more, like I said, to the decision that she made, which makes again solidifies what I said earlier in that out of all of the people that are returning to the island for whatever reasons they be, Kate's reason is the most selfless. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I completely agree. Which again, we talk about these differences in these characters that we're seeing before and the growth or lack of growth in some it's, this is a completely different Kate than we've Mm -hmm. ever seen before. And I kind of really love it. Yeah. I love, I love this Kate. I really do love this Kate. Cause Kate, Kate was just, I was so back and forth on her in the first half of the series, you know, and, and, uh, in the last half, I just, I, I just think motherhood just changed that character so much for the better. It's funny. I, I noticed that when they flash back to that night, um, before they left, right. It feels like there's this weird filter on those scenes. Like Kate looks more glamorous. Um, it's almost like somebody put like an Instagram filter or something like that over the entire night before, um, scenes. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that makes any sense. No, I, I kind of see where you're coming from too. Cause it does feel, uh, yeah, it does feel a little different in the way it looks. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've gotten that before too. Like even the scene where Jack and Kate were, you know, Kate confronts Jack, the whole, we have to go back scene. Mm-hmm. The color grading on that scene is a little differently as well. That mm-hmm. makes it feel a kind of out of place. Yes. Um, but, well, and, and you're right. I, I see that place. Too. Yeah. I mean, yeah. if you think about it, they're, they're, they're not supposed to be there. But I noticed that even in the supermarket scene in this episode as well. Like it just feels visually, it feels different. Mm-hmm. Um, right. But, you know, but to, to talk about that scene for a minute, you know, just a couple of things on that, like with Kate losing Aaron and that's really the driving force that makes her decide, I, I, I need to make sure he's safe in other ways. Mm-hmm. You know, she even tells Cassidy that I lost him. And it makes me realize, like, I, I could lose him again. So rather than, I mean, if you look at it that way, in that moment, maybe it's a little selfish. But then it becomes a selfless act. Mm. In in making a selfish decision, in giving up Aaron because she felt she doesn't want to lose him again, mm-hmm. it now becomes a selfless act in that it's, it's not about her anymore. It's completely about Aaron. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, there was a lot of selfishness on why she did keep Aaron. And I think that she had to go on this journey for her to actually realize, you know, that she needed to start doing things for Aaron. Well, yeah. I mean, and, and, and I think that that's the point that you're trying to make. Yeah. It's more of this is the first time she ever experienced the feeling of losing Aaron. Yes. So the only the only thing I think that makes it slightly selfish is that she decides to give Aaron up to Claire's mother because she doesn't want to feel that again. Mm-hmm. In that sense, it's a little bit, it's a little bit selfish because it's about her and being afraid to feel that again. But being afraid to feel that again is what drives her to realize this is about Aaron. It's not about me. Right. 
It's that selfish yeah. act that becomes a selfless act. Mm-hmm. That's that's the point I was kind of trying to make about that. Mm-hmm. Um, the only other note I have on that supermarket scene, by the way, too, is this is so random, and I don't know why it is that way. But when she at the store clerk in that scene, mm-hmm. when she says like, "Where are your juice boxes?" and he says, "Aisle five, the acting on that clerk is so awkward that I almost expected him to half look up at the camera and smile <laughs> and be like, look, mom, I'm on TV. <laughs> um, it reminded me so much, if you've ever seen uh, Pee-wee's Big Adventure, Mm-mm. when Pee-wee, for anybody who's seen it at the end of the movie, and they make a movie about his adventure and they actually cast Pee-wee in it and he just plays a clerk. And he delivers the he has one line and he delivers this awkward line. And after he says it, he looks up at the camera and then looks away real quick, which is what you're <laughs> not supposed to do in right. this situation. <laughs> I half expected the clerk in the supermarket to kind of glance up at the camera and then look down again to kind See, of acknowledge, I'm on was- TV. I noticed that he was more awkward in his second line when she comes up. She goes, did you see uh, my son? He was with me a minute ago. And he's like, well, that's the store uh, manager. That wasn't uh, the clerk. Uh, oh, oh, okay. That's a completely different person. But again, another situation where you almost expect them to kind of look over his shoulder at the camera. It's like, uh, 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 uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to talk about my theory. Okay, do it. So we're going to focus on Jack for a little bit. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> we we get this situation, obviously, where Ben is, young Ben is is dying. He's in a medical situation that cannot be fixed, as Juliet puts it. So out of desperation, Sawyer goes to the cabin to get Jack. You know, we need you to help him. You know, he's leaking from somewhere. We need you to plug him up. And Jack says no. Now, this is a completely different side of Jack because up until this point, Jack has had the hero complex. He's always kind of wanted to step in and make and and fix somebody or save somebody. This is the first time he's flat out saying no. And he's saying this right after hearing the entire conversation between Hurley and Miles, which we will we will absolutely get to. And Sawyer is very shocked by this, like because he knows how Jack is. Right. He knows Jack needs to save people. He has that compulsion to do that. Sawyer is absolutely feeding on that because one, Jack is a surgeon, and two, he knows he has to, he he feels the compulsion to save people. And Jack turns him down. Mm-hmm. Says no. And then, you know, Kate also in shock proceeds to say, "Well, you know, like why I don't like this side of you. This is a completely different but you're a completely different person. I never liked the old you, which was Jesus Christ, just punch him in the nuts already. Um, you know, and he proceeds. No, to he say, said that to her. Cause she said, I don't like this new Jack. And he said, well, he didn't like the old Jack either. Oh, that's true. Oh, oh yeah, that's true. It is. It does come from him. That's right. I loved that. I was like, well, then maybe you should fix yourself, Jack. But exactly. Like maybe it's you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just just like Taylor Swift writing a new song, maybe it's you. Um, <laughs> and But then, you know, he proceeds to use the reasoning, well, maybe the island is trying to correct itself. You know, which leads me, you know, which leads to a chain of events from Kate walking out 
giving blood to help save Ben's life and stabilize him. Juliet realizing the others are the ones that can save him. And I'm, I'm just summarizing this quickly because I'm sure we'll get into some of this later. Kate and Juliet take Ben out. Sawyer helps. They take Ben to the others and the others take Ben in. Now, here's where this gets to my theory. And my theory is, I know some people are going to hate this. Jack is the true villain of this story. Not <laughs> <Say> this, <less. laughs> Not this episode, this whole fucking story. And here's why. I'm on board so far. Here's why. The Ben that we know from the present, the evil Ben, the one that has kidnapped them, the one that has tortured them, the one that has done all these things, has is all because they took Ben to the others where he was taken, he was robbed of his innocence. Because Richard even says that. If we do this, he's no longer he has he's no longer innocent and he will always be one of us. Had Jack just stepped up and fixed Ben, they would have never taken him to the others. He would have never had his innocence removed, and he would have never become the Ben that they know. 100%. Jack is the reason Ben is the way he is, making Jack the fucking true villain of this entire story. I agree. I totally agree. The, this is in my notes as well. Not as oh, okay. him as the true, not as him as the true villain, but him the the irony of the fact that if he had just stood up and fixed ben then maybe hurley's hand would have disappeared yeah yeah exactly it's just it's it made me realize that everything that they went through all the stuff that jack hates all the stuff he's using as reasons to not want to help ben because mm. he's done it before Every single thing he is saying about why he doesn't want to help and he shouldn't help and all the things Ben has done to him are because of him in that moment right then and there. Yeah, because Jack is the worst. Jack just sucks. Yup. Sing it. And realizing that upon the second viewing of this episode, I was like, holy shit. Jack is the reason why all of this shit is happening. Yeah, because had he just stepped up and saved you can Ben go back and say you could go back and say had he dealt with his daddy issues a long time ago, we wouldn't even be on the stupid island. That is also true. <laughs> that is that is also also true. <laughs> Jack is the catalyst for a for a, the reasons why a lot of this stuff is happening. Yeah. Yeah, and I wonder if Matthew Shepard ever believed that about his character while playing him. Because he plays him just as such a jerk, you know? I mean, he just... There are elements of Jack in the first half of the series that I think, yes, he definitely is a likable character in some parts, but when you really take the time to break it down and see what's going on, he's, he's terrible. He's selfish. He's, he's got a, he's, he's a micromanager. He's got a God complex. He's got this, you know, I have to save everyone, but only the people I choose to save kind of vibe about him. Um, you know, there and, and and it's just kind of exacerbated in this episode, especially with how high and mighty he is about, no, I'm not going to fix him. I'm not going to fix that, Ben. So he dies. Who cares? And it's like, uh, are you not listening to Miles? 
Are you not listening to him? <laughs> exactly. You've been here. <laughs> well, I mean, I, and I, I think it's kind of like the the arrogance of Jack in that I think one of the main reasons why he's making the decision he's making is because of what he said. Like the mm. whole Miles is basically saying the whole title of the episode, whatever happened, happened. And I think Jack is kind of using that as a little bit of logic as to not help mm-hmm. Ben because he's thinking like, well, if I just say I'm not going to help Ben, then I, Ben will miraculously survive because that's what's supposed to happen, mm, mm-hmm. which is kind of the truth. I mean, it, th- there's nothing. He's not wrong in that situation. Right. It's just that's what leads to everything happening. And I, I do want to say everything we're saying about Jack right now and how I'm saying he's the true villain and we're kind of really put piling and piling a lot of shit on Jack right now. That's not to say he does not have redeeming moments that happen later because he does. I mean, yeah, no, he, I think Jack's makes, arc is about to start. Yeah. Oh my God. Yes. Because but I mean, it's, like it's the, after five seasons. Because by the end of this, I mean, he really does make the ultimate sacrifice um, yeah. more, than, more than anybody else. He makes the ultimate sacrifice and that's a big redeeming arc. That's a big redeeming moment for him. But you're right. We've hit the peak of his arc that started way too late. It was a slow burn. Yeah. I mean, I think for five seasons, he's been a pretty static character and he's, he's remained relatively unchanged in five seasons. And finally, finally in the last season and a half of this series, they're going to give him an arc. Yeah. Cause I don't believe that he's had an arc yet. And he's been one of the main main characters of this show it's been it hasn't been an arc it's been like a waveform it's been very little yeah there's been very little movement in it and it's going up and down and up and down and up and down like and, coma and, patient low and now it's okay now we're pushing the boulder to the top of the hill yeah. i assume it's the almost Rockies like the showrunners it's almost like the showrunners have like said oh no our lead character has hasn't changed at all. What are we going to do? Yeah. Well, it's like everybody you, around Jack has these amazing story arcs. Amazing. Well, if you if you look at you know if you look at Jack's arc, I, I take it as a line. If you've ever seen the movie Dumb and Dumber, <laughs> I've assumed I assumed the Rockies would be a bit rockier. <laughs> <laughs> and now we're finally getting as they're driving through Nebraska, and now we're actually getting the arc, right? And I think we've hit. We've either hit the peak or we're almost at the peak. Of, of well, Jack's it would arc. be nice to get there. Get there faster. Get there faster. <laughs> now I got that seed stuck in my head. So you know, uh, staying on staying on Jack's uh, Jack's subject. Let's let's talk about Juliet finally confronting him. Man, I think that she was very restrained with how mad I would have been. And I'm not even a doctor. I mean, you just don't let a child die. I don't care who you think he's going to become. You do not let a child die. Yeah. It's a child. I, I agree. 100%. Unless it's Adolf Hitler. <laughs> Let's not even go there. Well. Again. <laughs> again. <laughs> again. We talked about it last episode. <laughs> um, But yeah, I mean, you just don't. And before we really get into this, what kind of a sociopath puts on his t-shirt dripping wet from the shower? 
Well, I mean, when you walk out of the shower and you're confronted by somebody who's literally, I mean, you are one of my favorite elements of this scene is the fact that like when you look at Jack and you look at Kate, first off, Jack has had too many shower interactions in this show. <laughs> too many. They really like it when he's naked. They really like it when it's all. Yeah, they really like those awkward shower exits for Jack. Um, but you look at the fact, too, that when Jack steps out of the shower, very clearly he's naked because he just got out of the shower. Juliet, not that she would ever feel the urge because she's with Sawyer, never breaks eye contact, never looks down like startled. She knows she's going to be walking in on him naked. That's she not why she be she couldn't care less about his naked less. body. It, exactly. She never breaks eye contact with Jack, which is like, I'm like, that girl's got daggers right now. And I uh, love it. She also, have you seen Sawyer? <laughs> okay. As a male, yes, I would still choose Sawyer over Jack. Every day and twice on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> now we really need to have Josh Holloway on the podcast. <laughs> no, I'd be too my people. <laughs> Kristen, That's roll the end up your of our tongue. Show. Kristen's broken. <laughs> <laughs> Kristen, roll up your tongue. <laughs> but no, you're right. Um, I, I'm sorry, I jumped on your point with with that. No, no, no. Please keep going with. Um, I, I wanted you to go on. Oh no, I just I I love that confrontation between the two of them as well because you're absolutely right. There's so much friction and intensity between the two of them because I think it's probably. You know, Jack was very arrogant in making the decision, this decision to not help Ben. And I think this is the first time he kind of realizes, thanks to Juliet, I might have been wrong. No, oh, I don't she, think that he thinks that at all. You think he's still fully confident in his decision? I do. I, I do only because he he's he's got this like lock mentality right now where he's like, yeah, I'm supposed to come. Why'd you come back? Cause I'm supposed to. Well, why? Because I'm supposed to. Okay. Well, that's not a reason. It's like, it's kind of like watching Juliet and Jack, Jack fight in this episode was like when Jack and Locke used to fight in the first half of the series, right? Like Jack just couldn't wrap his mind around the fact that Locke was like, no, I'm supposed to be here. Well, how do you know that? Eh, cause, cause I'm supposed to. He's like, well, yeah, well, I mean, that's ridiculous. It's it's very interesting to see that Jack has kind of taken the lock roll in this episode. Mm-hmm. Even to the point of believing that the island has a purpose. Right. Do you think that the island maybe wants to fix things? It's like, yeah. what? Like, are you still taking the pills? Like, I, I don't understand what's going like, on. Yeah, Jack has filled the role of the man of faith in this story now, and it feels very out of place. Well, it's not even that it feels out of place. I think he's just doing it wrong because really, I'm not sure that even the man of faith Locke in the first ser- in the first half of the series would have let a young Ben Linus die. No, no, nope. I, I, I don't think, think so any either. of them. So it it's just it to me, it doesn't make any sense. You know, I think his reasoning is flawed. You're back here, but you're back here to what? Be a bump on a log? Just look and and be, you know, Jack Workman? Like, this doesn't make any sense to me. Well, I mean, it, maybe... It, an opportunity to make a difference. Your purpose might have been to fix things where maybe you should have fixed Ben. Maybe you should have done that. Well, I mean, like, yeah, and that kind of goes against his arrogance too, because you made a very good point. For somebody who is saying, like, 
who has heard who who's speaking all these things that have happened like about Ben and what he's done and all these things that have done and Miles saying like whatever happened happened like this is all stuff that has already happened mm-hmm. you're right like it's kind of it's kind of ignorant for Jack to just kind of take a step back and be like well if this is whatever happened if whatever happened happened this is what's supposed to happen I'm just going to let it happen like you just got done saying how horrible all this stuff was. And now you're just letting it happen again. Right. You're just Especially when he showed up. Let it happen. But then he should, well, you can even go back to the first day that he was there and he marches into Sawyer's house. He's like, so what are we going to do? Saeed is down there. We have to do something. And he's like, I'm going to read my book. And I'm going to think about it. And you're going to leave my house because it makes no sense that new guys in my house. Yeah, And then now he's just like, no, man, I'm just going to sit back. I mean, I'm supposed to be back here. It's my purpose to be back here, but I'm going to sit in this chair and I'm going to let a little boy die. Well, maybe that's him kind of reflecting Sawyer a little bit. Because maybe he thinks that's what's worked for Sawyer, so that's what's going to work for him. I he saw know. Sawyer do I, the same exact thing. I see your point, but I really, I, I cannot... I cannot justify his actions in in oh, this no. episode. Neither can I. I'm just kind of trying to think from a Jack perspective. No, and I understand that. Yeah. I agree with you completely. I don't think any the fact that a child was dying and you were just going to let it happen that right. make you I think kind of a deplorable human being. Yeah. I mean, I'm I I tried I, I tried to find I tried to find some good in what he was doing. I mean, you know, I, I, you can see his logic, but his logic is incredibly flawed. Incre- and that was the exact sentence I wrote down. His reasoning is flawed. Yeah. It makes no sense that you would go through all of this to come back and then, oh, 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 young Ben Linus is, is dying and I'm the only one that can save him. Nah, I mean, I'm supposed to be here for a reason, but not this reason. Next. I mean, it would have almost been a little different, you know, had he said... What's in it for me? But he didn't even do that. It's, it was a flat out, no, not going to do it. Yeah. And how much of it do you think was petty? How much of it do you think was like, well, Sawyer, you should have made me a doctor on this team, but you made me workman. There's definitely some pettiness there. He's um, like a girl. It's a power trip. Yes. It's a power trip. Yes. Mm-hmm. He has the power to do it and just refuses to do it. That is just awful. Yeah. Somebody that has the opportunity and means and, and, and skills to make a positive change and still chooses not to. That is some next level sociopathic characterization. I mean, and you look at... <clears throat> You look at everybody as a whole. You look at Jack, Hurley, Miles, Kate, Sawyer. Every single one of them. The two people who would have the most reason for not helping Ben are the ones carrying him to the others. Yeah. They are the two people who Ben had locked up, tortured, and and like... They are the two people who have the most reason to not help Ben. Not to mention that Ben orchestrated the entire thing with Kate um, feeling like Aaron was in danger off island. Yeah. 
they are they're the two people who have the most reason to not help Ben, and mm-hmm. they are two people who realize we're not letting this happen to a child. And even when Richard says to Kate, if we do this, if we save him, he will not be the same. He will forever be one of us. He will not have he will not be innocent any longer. That right there is the decision like, you know, full well, this is what's going to make Ben become Ben. Mm -hmm. They still will not let a child die. Knowing full well, this is what's going to make Ben Ben. Okay, so. You saying those lines makes me think a child still did die. I have that in my notes. I have it in my notes. Richard takes Ben. Ben still dies in a sense. Yep. Yep. And so it was a no win situation for anybody. And it was all because Jack was like, nah, I can do it, but I got to watch my shows. I got to make these sandwiches. (laughs) I got to watch my shows. Yeah. I mean, it's, Ben still dies. Yep. But in a much different metaphorical sense. Yes. Which, yeah, because I, I mean, I his do, innocence was gone. I mean, really, his innocence was gone. And innocence is childhood. Once that innocence is gone, your childhood is over. And we also see now why Ben has such a devotion and dedication to the others in helping mm-hmm. with the purge. That happens later on down the road and killing his own father and initiating the purge that happens. Mm-hmm. This this is all stuff that happens because Jack decided to not save Ben. Oh, man. Play it again. Jack just sucks. <laughs> it's, again, it leads me to what I said. Jack is the villain of this story. That's not to say villains can't be redeemed because he is later. But as of this moment... Jack is the true villain of the story. This is probably the worst he's ever been. I agree. And so maybe it's always darkest before the dawn, right? So hopefully we start to see a turn. But yeah, this is this is the worst. The worst that we've seen him, for sure. I mean, I'm very interested to see. Like, I know Dez is probably listening and Steve and, and, and other people Oh, he's screaming well. in his car right now. I'm sure he is. Because he he's never liked the fact that... Oh, no. I can't remember... It, it, Des is has has Des been a fan of Jack or no? Remind I, me. I don't think he likes us talking about Jack in a bad way. I don't think so either. I think, and I'd be very curious to see if Des disagrees with us. I'd be very curious to see if any listeners disagree with us. Spoiler alert: He does. <laughs> <laughs> so please feel free to leave us feedback whether you agree with this theory or not. Um, but I'm. I'm it would be nice to, to know. Yeah, anybody that's out there. I'm I'm sticking to it. Me too. Um, oh well, I've stuck with it for five seasons now, so I'm not letting go of it. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. You have. Um, all right. So where where do we want to go from here? There's still a couple things we can still talk about. Well, um, we could talk about Hurley and Miles because that was a breath of fresh air in this episode. Yeah, let's talk about Hurley and Miles because I loved. These both of the it's one continuous conversation that's broke, but it's broken up into two parts. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's pretty much speaking what we've been feeling as viewers. Like yes. we've been trying to wrap our minds about all of this time travel element. And with it, Hurley and Miles, it's kind of like Hurley is us and Miles is the showrunners. 
<laughs> and they're having this conversation, trying to explain it to us with Hurley being the counterpoint of it. And then it gets to the end where Hurley says basically what we were talking about last episode. Like, well, if this is all true and this is all present, and why doesn't Ben remember getting shot by Saeed? Man, is it so nice to get that answer by the end of the episode. <laughs> right? And then we get Miles be like, oh, you know, I, I didn't think about that. And then they give us the answer. It's awesome. By the end. That's with awesome. Richard saying, like, he's going to, if we take him, he's going to forget all of this. And I intentionally left that out when I was talking about Richard all the other times before. Right. Because I knew we were going to get to it. Well, you know, what's great is that this was such a good conversation to re-enter um, Faraday into the mix. But the fact that it was coming from Miles, for me, it was just so much better because it wasn't this whack, whack-a-doodle, you know, son of Eloise Hawking that was talking. It was, it was Miles, the very sarcastic, very skeptical Miles, who's yeah. like, no, listen, okay. I got it figured out and you're going to listen to me, you know? And I think, and what's great is that, you know, these seasons are always recorded so far in advance of us actually seeing them that I'm sure that the showrunners sat down in the writer's room and was like, okay, we need to have a couple of scenes where we explain some of this so that we don't lose everybody, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And they chose the perfect way to do that, which um, for me, it really speaks to how in tune the showrunners are with not only their show, but with their audience. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I'm, I, I think this is a point that you you had just made, so I'm sorry if I'm repeating it. But no, um, okay. you know, talking about Faraday and bringing Faraday into the mix right. too. What I, what I what cracked me up the most about this is realizing that this whole conversation that Hurley and Miles are having is probably the same exact conversation that Faraday and Miles had. Yeah, I mean, we saw elements Where Miles of that too was in the, the beginning Hurley. of the season. Yeah, yeah, we saw elements of that in the beginning of the season, but I don't think it works as well because Faraday is just his head is always in the clouds, you know, but you kind of bring it down to the viewer's level to our level, right? With Hurley and with Miles. And all of a sudden it makes sense. It makes sense enough that we're able to think about it without feeling like we're being talked down to. Yeah. It was, it was an easy conversation to follow. Did you find yourself like going, yes, exactly. And then Hurley's like, well, and I'm like, no, you're wrong. Listen yeah. to Miles. <laughs> oh, I was I was absolutely following Miles' logic. And yeah, I, it made I, perfect I, sense to me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But what I love, like even more so what I my one of my favorite parts of this whole conversation is how it started. And that mm-hmm. was Hurley just looking at his hand, waiting for it to disappear, which is a total back to the future reference. Yeah which anybody who knows me knows I adore those movies. So just getting a Back to the Future reference from Hurley was like, I just love Hurley even more now like this. Knowing he's a fan of Back to the Future makes me love Hurley even more. I love it that Hurley was also thought he would be the first one to disappear, you know, because like everybody disappears in different stages. Like, I guess he's like, I guess I disappear first. Like, I'll just check. Don't worry, guys. I'm checking. <laughs> well, and another another, th- another part of this conversation I love too was when her- was when Miles hands Hurley a gun and says, "Here, shoot me." And Hurley's like, "Well, if I shoot you, I was like, aha, I can't shoot you because that me because you can't die because then you wouldn't have gone to the freighter." And he's like, "No, he's like, I've already been to the freighter." And it made me realize I'm like, "Wait a minute. That means you actually wanted Hurley to kill you in that very moment." <laughs> 
Right I think that Miles is just, you know, he's like, I hate my life. Just somebody end it. Just end it for me. <laughs> Here, shoot me. I'm begging you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It made me realize, like, wait, you actually wanted him to kill you at that point because you can die right now. Somebody yeah, but just you, kill gave, me, you gave the gun to the most, to, to the safest person on the island. Here, Hurley, shoot me for no reason. Well, uh, and Miles no. knew that too. Like <laughs> yeah. Miles knew Hurley was not going to shoot him. Hurley's like, if I if I didn't like meat so much, I'd be a vegetarian. <laughs> I don't want to hurt anybody. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, that convert that whole conversation, both parts of it. Like I just, I loved it because it is basically an avatar for the audience and the showrunners. Like mm-hmm. getting the explanation as to everything that we have so far. And it was just great in the way it wrapped up in that it still left us with a major question that everybody was still questioning and pondering at this point. And then the show delivered on the answer of that mm-hmm. by the end. And, well, that, and now we like know the- why Ben doesn't remember. Right. Right. I, but one of my favorites was that they were still talking about it as they left the house, right? Like that conversation yeah. wasn't going away. So it was fun. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a great lighthearted moment that the showrunners have done really great jobs in being able to throw them into the proper places mm-hmm. and more times out of not nine times out of 10 Hurley is one of the people in those moments. Because Hurley's the best. Hurley's everybody loves her Hugo, and I love it. Love it so much. I love Hurley. Um, I think that might be it for major points. Yeah, I'm done. I got it. I think everything else is just kind of small notes. Um, do you have any notes, or have you pretty much just talked about everything? Oh, I had one thing that we have not talked about yet. Okay. This was our first time seeing the temple. Was it? Yes. Richard goes into the temple. Well, I thought we already saw the temple when Locke goes there to call the smoke monster. Because we get we see him kind of getting sucked underneath. I think we've seen the temple before. This is the first oh, time. Oh, yeah. It says first seen in LAX part two. Well, this is the first time I've noticed the temple. Okay. <laughs> and this, I mean, and this isn't even the only temple, as we'll learn later. Right. There is another temple elsewhere, but we'll get to that because we don't, I don't think we get to that until later. Um, or maybe this is the same temple. Oh, no, I think it's a different temple. No, this is where, this is the temple that has. The waters that he needs to be in. Okay, so it is the same temple then? Yeah. Okay. We just get to see the inside of it later. Yes. Okay. It was just nice to see it, you know, just to, like, we we have that introduction into, oh, yeah, this place exists. Yes. Because we've you know? talked about and it. And Richard did not look happy about going in there. No, he really didn't. I didn't even think about that. He kind of does look a little indifferent. Like, he's... Like he he's kind of going maybe against his own better judgment mm-hmm. to do what he's about to do. Yeah. Like he's just he's he looks really bugged about the fact that he's taking this kid into there. Yeah. But he's also, you know, he's Richard who never dies. So who knows? Well, I mean, he's wearing immortal mascara. It's <laughs> it's it's the These are reason. just my eyes. 
it's the reason why he never dies. It's the mascara he uses. Ah, oh, so glad. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. They never explain it, but I've heard it from the showrunners. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't have any other major notes. Everything else is just kind of little notes here and there. Uh, we get Sawyer calling Kate Freckles again for the first time. Falling in into old habits. Falling into old habits, but then immediately following it up that I'm doing this for Juliet. So there's not really any reason for anybody to think as a viewer to think like, oh, well, maybe he's kind of doing this for Kate. And he's like, no, he flat out. He flat out says like he's doing this. He had the same question as to why they were saving Ben until Juliet. He took he spoke to Juliet and he tells yeah, Kate, and, I'm doing this for Juliet. And and on that same note, I just love that there isn't a love triangle. I cannot say it enough. I hate love triangles. I hate them. So I love it that it didn't even, it wasn't even a thing with Sawyer. He's like, I am 100% devoted and in love with Juliet, period, end of sentence. Well, I even said before, too, when we discussed love triangles, is that they're not actually triangles. Right. They're basically love greater than signs. <laughs> because there is no connection between the second, the first and third point. Right. That's mm-hmm. why I never got why people call them love triangles. They're not triangles. Unless there is a homosexual relationship, an LGBTQ plus relationship in there, it is not a triangle. So unless Jack also loves Sawyer. But that, you know, then they would be a thruple, right? Yes. I don't know. Then everybody wins. I'm I'm not going to try and put some, put logic into that anyway. All right. I love, we, we get a very, (laughs) we get, um, a pretty clear explanation or at least idea that Kate and Cassidy's friendship has spanned a good amount of time. Mm -hmm. Uh, the second time we see her arrive because we see Cassidy's daughter, Clementine call Kate, Auntie Kate, Mm -hmm. that wouldn't have happened unless there's been multiple visits right in between. Um, Juliet confronting Kate. I already have. Let's see. Oh, um, I guess this is really the only other final note I have other than Ben waking up to John Locke saying, welcome to the land of the living, which is a great lead into the next episode. Totally forgot that Locke was a thing. Again, even as we were recording, forgot. (laughs) Right. Uh, (laughs) The only other thing I'll make mention of that we haven't brought up is the fact that we get mentions of Eloise Hawkins and Charles Whitmore. Yep. Ellie and Charles. Ellie and Charles are alive on the island at this point in 1977. Huh. I wonder where Daniel Faraday is. Um, I think I have to correct myself, too, because I'm pretty sure you brought this up and I said I, I don't think so. Um, but I did read it. Faraday is off island. Mm. He has returned to the mainland in 1977. That's so cool. He would fit he, in. Because he does, that is the reason why we have not seen him yet at this point. He is yeah. off island. Because he does come back in a couple episodes. He would fit in so well in 1977. Mainland 1977. Mainland, yeah. 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 His far He's, out, they'd be like, oh, this guy never stopped taking acid. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that is accurate. Um. How about you? Any final notes on anything we no, haven't mentioned? No, I'm good. This was a great episode. This was, again, 
I don't agree with the rating on M on IMDb. I think this episode deserves a higher rating. Yeah. Because there's a lot of stuff that comes out of this episode. Great Kate episode. Best Kate episode of the series so far. Well, again, we're finding out how selfless she really is. Mm-hmm. And I love it. This is her last flashback episode. Of the entire series? Yep. And the final traditional flashback episode centered around an Oceanic 815 survivor. So, Oh, so this is the last of the Oceanic flashbacks? Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. All right. Uh, so next episode, season five, episode 12, dead is dead is a, I believe a Ben centric episode. Dead is dead until it's not dead. Right. Come on now. Uh, yeah, it's a Ben episode. It's a Ben episode. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and it's another higher rated episode, 8.7 on IMDb. So I'm really looking forward to diving into that too. Huh? That's funny because the, the, the first thing that flashes on um, on fandom is Dead is Dead among all episodes of Lost attracted the smallest audience during its original airing. Oh, okay. I think everybody has these different ideas for what these ratings are. Yeah, um, yeah which gives us one, two, three, four, six episodes if we include the incident as part one and part two, which is a is a something we're going to have to talk about when we get there. Yeah. Is are we covering the incident as one episode or is a two part two episodes, two part finale? I think we should do one episode. I think so too. There's so much yeah. that happens. It'll just be episode. a super episode. We'll just block off the whole day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There you go. <laughs> um, so five episodes left then of season five. Until we get in this. Yeah, so the next episodes, we have Dead is Dead is a Ben episode. Some Like It Hoth is Miles. Um, We've got The Variable, which is Daniel. Follow the Leader, Richard. Um, And The Incident is Jacob. Yeah, we finally get to meet Jacob. Oh, there is one other thing. Did you notice that Miles and Hurley were playing dominoes, which is that play on black and white. That is that theme that runs throughout the whole series. Okay. So I'm glad you brought this up because for some reason I was thinking it was Mahjong, but dominoes makes more sense. Yeah. Well, and the fact that if one thing went out of place in this episode, it would be a domino effect to affect history. Ooh, that's a good call. Thank you. That's a good call. Uh, so yeah. So for um, those who are not watching, I just winked at uh, yes, Ben. <laughs> yes, you did. Um, <laughs> so uh, so no feedback this week, um, which is totally fine. But again, we highly encourage you guys to leave us feedback if you have it, especially if you have thoughts on what we just said about Jack and everything. If you disagree with us, let us know. Um, yes. You know, and multiple ways to leave feedback, but everything can be found on like how to connect with us on social media, email us, voicemail, everything. Uh, just go to revisitedpod.com and everything is right there on, on how you can find ways to leave us feedback. So um, before we get out of here, it's your week for recommendations this week. So what have you got? Well, I've been reading a lot of middle school books lately just because I am a middle school teacher again. And so the books I'm reading are all <laughs> middle school books. Um, and then the TV I'm watching right now is all like super lighthearted because my brain hurts at the end of the day. Um, but we 
dove back into Lego Masters, which is wonderful. I love that um, show. Oh, but well, okay, I got one, and that's the Mandalorian. I was wondering, I was like, why are you not mentioning the Mandalorian? I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. The first episode I did not enjoy. I did not enjoy it at all. I thought it was super campy. I didn't like space pirates covered in seaweed. Um, (laughs) It just made no sense to me. The second episode, this episode that just aired this week was phenomenal. Phenomenal. And I feel like Mandalorian is finally back on, back on top for me. And then also I'm always going to recommend last of us, which by the time this airs, the season finale would have already aired. And we all know, uh, that HBO does season finales pretty well if you're not Game of Thrones. <laughs> I was like I was like, where are you going with this? And then you said, if you're not Game of Thrones. <laughs> well, hold on. I think that qualifies series finales. Okay. Fair. Because Game of Thrones has had some pretty badass season finales. Amazing season finales. Yes, I agree. Okay, it's, you're right. It's series finales. They don't do well. Well, they do series finales well, unless you're Game of Thrones. Unless you're Game of Thrones. Yes. Yes. That, okay. Unless you're the biggest cash cow that HBO has ever seen. Well, have you seen that the numbers for The Last of Us have ramped up each and every week to the point where they are almost Game of Thrones level? I'm surprised that Actually, HBO I think they're hasn't... I think they're above Game of Thrones levels. Well, I'm surprised. Well, having said that, I am shocked that HBO hasn't crashed once. Uh I think it I think there were issues the first week. Okay. Um, but they were cleared up relatively quickly, like within a couple minutes. Okay. It was yeah, it was correct. I haven't seen one crash, and I know that all of us are like appointment television on that one. Well, except for me this week. Well, is, you know what? Your priorities are super screwed up this week. So let's. I have to watch the Oscars. <laughs> eh, record that. Go through, you know, the boring stuff, and then watch Last of Us in real time. I love that we're talking for the listeners. This is stuff that's already happened. I know <laughs> the I know. Oscars and Last anyways, of Us already happened. Um, if somebody hasn't read The Outsiders, we're doing that right now, and I love The Outsiders. It's such a good book. It's nice to revisit. It's nice to read. Watch the movie. It's all wonderful. Um. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. It's really boring right now. My life is so boring. Eh, it's it's boring but fulfilling. Is it? No, it is. <laughs> is it? <laughs> it's it. Um Yeah, so again, um encourage you to leave feedback. Revisitedpod.com is the easiest way to do that. Uh, if you want to check out some other podcasts that we know uh you and I are talking about doing another episode of It's Showtime folks, which hopefully we'll get to do yeah, relatively soon. Um, my Wilhelm the, podcast just launched two back-to-back episodes. Uh, yes. The first being Oscar predictions, and the second being a conversation with uh, Wole Parks, who he plays John Henry Irons on Superman and Lois, which is a fucking amazing television show. Love it. Um, and Wole was a great guest. Uh, and I have some other guests lined up for that sh- for Wilhelm too, which is great. Um, Yay! Wilhelmpodcast.com is where you can find that. And then, of course, as you mentioned, The Last of Us, uh, which I'm podcasting on every week, and we're going to be podcasting on the finale on The Cast of Us, which that which is part of Podcastica, which all that can be found at thecastofus.com. So, and there you have it. I think that about wraps it up for this episode, unless you have any final I think notes. We're good. Nope, I'm good. Cool. 
so yeah, so next episode, season five, episode twelve, Dead is Dead will be the next one we cover. But until next time, we'll see you guys further on down that rabbit hole. I got it right the first time this time. Yay. I'm so <laughs> proud of you. Take care. Bye. We have to go back, Kate. We have to go back!